0: Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Belisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. You know, I've heard that voice in our introduction before, maybe too often. Welcome to another edition of Penn State Conversations. I'm Jacob Wilkins. I'm a 2010 Penn State graduate and a sports broadcaster for WFAN and Sirius XM Radio. For this episode, I'm joined by Rich Russo, a 1984 Penn State grad and former Nittany Lion lacrosse standout who's the lead director for Fox Sports NFL coverage, working with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Aaron Andrews on the Fox 8 team each week. Rich is a 12-time Emmy Award winner and will direct his fourth Super Bowl for Fox Sports next year in Miami. Most importantly, Rich is a great guy. He's a very generous alum and supporter of the Belisario College, and this is an interview I think you're really going to enjoy. And so without further ado, Rich Russo. The first time I met Rich Russo, Rich, I don't know if you remember this, you were a speaker at a Penn State event, I think this was back in 2000. I was looking at Penn State. You were on a panel, and uh, so you were sort of part of my recruitment effort. Anyhow, here with Rich Russo, the lead director of uh, Fox's NFL coverage. Great to be with you. Great to, uh, great to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Do you remember that at all? That, that had to be like, uh, you were on Sam Rosen's crew at that point. I, and do, I think did, I came up and introduced myself. I was I, very
1: impressed as I, a high school student. I do remember did I give you any, any advice or did at there, all any really, good advice or was it just, just You got no, me to I, the
0: school. <laughs> you okay, know, good.
1: I, I I suppose. Good. I do remember that. Yes. And I, I, I do enjoy going back to school at the Penn State and to speak at classes and uh, you know, and to talk to, to to talk to a lot of the students. But I do remember. I remember when you came up to me and we had that conversation and yep. you were still, you know, trying to figure out what you were what you were gonna do and uh, hopefully, I helped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you were a guest on my college radio show. We really did. You know, you were directing NASCAR back then. So, uh, no, you've been very helpful throughout the years. And we're just—we're both aging. It, uh, you know, you—you you look great, though. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> that I, uh,
1: thank you. Being uh, in the gym six days a week still so. very important. Six <laughs> days a week. Yep. With all the travel, you yep. have to—you have to maintain it. No question about
0: it. Yeah. Well, let's start uh, with the Saints Rams game. And usually, you know, we, these things can go chronologically, and we'll get to how you progress to, to where you are. But for folks, you know, it's, uh, looking at that NFC title game, you have that pass interference call that defines the game. Take me through as a director what you're seeing as the play unfolds and how you're formulating uh, the replays and coverage of it after.
1: Well, first and foremost, and I, I do always say this, is I, I do work with an incredible team. So it's all of us together— Obviously, trying to tell the story the quickest, the fastest way possible. Obviously, that was a big play uh, in the game. And our job is to capture it, to be quick, be instinctive, to get the replays up quickly, to tell the story. You know Sean Payton's going to be pissed off. He's going to be upset, so you want to make sure that we show shots of Payton. And the reality of it is you know it's a big play. You know the the non-call was a big factor. But what happens in live events is a lot of times you're going play to play to play and you always wanna see the big picture. You don't know how the game's gonna end. Mm-hmm. So if New Orleans wins that game, say they stop the Rams, that play is dissected, but it's probably not dissected as much because it doesn't affect the Saints because they'll win the game. Right. So the reality of it is, is after the fact, uh, you realize that it's, it's a non-call, that really, you know, the Rams had one timeout left. There was whatever was, a buck 45 left. And, you know, our job is really to, to tell that story uh, as best we can. You know, Joe and Troy were on it from the start. I know Mike Pereira was as well. Uh, you know, they, they basically both said it was, you know, it should have been a call. It could have been helmet to helmet. Uh, definitely was an interference call. Um, and like I said, our job is really to document to react uh, and to put those pictures on television uh, as as quickly and as fast as, as we possibly can. And you know, it's, I,
0: and I think you went back to it at some point during the overtime. And I don't know. If, and we'll get to the difference in what the producer does and the director does. You and Richie Zients, who's of course the producer on the Fox 8 team, were in sort of a recap moment. You did a little quick uh, in motion replay
1: of that of that play. Right, recognizing I, how I think is. you know, you, you realize as the game's going yeah. on, and and like and Richie, like I said, we it's such a team, and Richie's one of the best producers around that there is, and and he's so good at what he does, uh, but you know that at some point you have to go back to that play because it's really a defining moment, right. you know, as the game's going on, and even when we went off the air, I think we had you know we showed that at some point uh, because it's such a defining moment, so you're, you're constantly you want to tell the story of the game what leads up to what happens um, I call cause effect and we do that all the time you know we're doing that in every game that we do what causes what to happen whether it's a big penalty whether you know it's it's a a big uh, reception that leads to something and obviously this this non-call was such a huge play in a huge moment I also think what happens is the bigger the game the more potential scrutiny the more eyeballs you have on that game and we do the same job regardless of the game regardless if it's week three week four the Super Bowl the NFC Championship I mean that that's what we we know what our job is but the bigger the game the more magnified these plays get the more magnified the pictures become more magnified the announcers become and that's just the reality of it I mean when you get 50 million people that are that are watching this is going to happen but Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty unique situation. And like I said, after the game, you know, with now with all sports talk radio with, you know, with all the cable outlets, it's, they're talking about this play, you know, 24 seven and it will go down as a historical play non-call and you know, what's going to happen in the off season, the committee, the competition committee will, this will initiate further conversation, right or wrong, rightfully or wrong. Some people think you should review pass interferences. Some people think you won't. But this will initiate more conversation. It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, down the line. I mean, the Saints—they don't. It's not going to do them any good because, in, in their mind, right? In their mind, it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it, it's, it's too late. But there's no consolation prize. But it's interesting what you're saying
0: because you're right. In the midst of the game, right? If the Saints win, it's a—it's a highlight, but it's not. But it didn't end up affecting them. And you can't direct the game, I imagine, thinking about what's gonna be the topic on Sports Talk Radio, and you still have to treat the rest of the game with the integrity it deserves. Uh, and at the same time, for instance, that image of Peyton is now ingrained and
1: replayed over and over again. That's powerful. No question. I mean, the reality of it is the impact of video or visuals is, is huge. I mean, we don't, you don't realize it because this is what we do. This is our job. But when you go back and when you look at it, um, you know some of these these images can last forever. Um, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, whether it's a specific play, um, but there's no question that that it does. And 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 you see you know you see these images all throughout the week, and you'll continue to see them. Um, you know as long as they're going to be talking about this NFC Championship game, when they talk about the NFC Championship game between the Rams and the Saints, the first thing that's going to come to mind is a non-call. There's no question about it. Do you go back
0: after a game and look at the way you covered it? And do you, is there sort of a ruminating of, well, if I took that angle or I went from that angle, or do you put it to bed? You know, it
1: always, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Every broadcast, uh, I go back and we, I look the next day. Um, and we never we never come out of a telecast with a perfect telecast. You know, there's always things that, that I know I can do better. Um, and... But you hope that is blind to the viewer. You hope the viewer doesn't really notice that. Um, maybe there are subtle things that, that I think I could have done here versus, you know, here, whether it's a shot here, or a shot there. But like I said, hopefully it's, it's blind to the viewer. But yes, it's you self scout, you self evaluate, um, just like just like the teams from their perspective, we do as a broadcast. And you, know, you never come out. You always want to improve. That's the biggest thing. Uh, you always want to continue to improve um, each and every week. Right. Doesn't matter what level you're at. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what level. Even when I was coming up in the business, you know, I, I just wanted to improve as a, a BA or as associate director, just do better, you know, and better and better. Um, because that's how, you, that's how you improve. That's how you get better. Most people will not ever step foot in a production truck, which is a fascinating
0: experience. And I've had the pleasure of being in the truck with you guys uh, a couple times. How are the responsibilities... Uh, differed or separated between a producer and director? And in what ways are you working
1: together for those that might not be as familiar? Well, the reality of it is, as I said earlier, it is a complete team. It's a complete team with the entire production group. It's a complete team with the, top, the entire technical unit. Um, and I can't emphasize that enough. And for me, I'm fortunate to work with the best people. Um, and it just it makes my job a lot easier specifically uh, with a producer and director, it's really crucial that they work together and they work well together in in a simple form. I mean, the the director is responsible for the visuals, for getting the viewer from point A to point B, B, um, responsible for all the live camera looks uh, coming up with what I call we call an isolation plan where, you know, what cameras are going to shoot, what players in the right moments, whether it's you know, whether it's red zone, whether it's three receivers, four receivers and in, 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 in foot, in foot in a football game, um, you know, the producer is is responsible for the overall content uh, for for shaping the overall broadcast um, for the replays. Um, but it, like I said, it's, it's really important and it's imperative for both to work closely together. And I would think that that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, the replays are the perfect example of that. That's right. And, you know, you come up with a plan, but we also, the two of us have a philosophy. Um, and I, I think it's just something that we've, we've both grown up and come up. We both came up through CBS, you know, now, now at Fox and, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's making sure that the camera men and women are, are, are framing things the right way or getting the right reaction shots based on situations, uh, or knowing when to go for reaction shots. Um, it's all, it's all, you know, I call it organized chaos, but it all runs real smoothly because as I said, everyone's very, very good at, at what they do and it makes all our jobs, uh, you know, real easy. And, and Richie and I, I don't, I'm not just blowing smoke. I don't say as a, he's as good as, as it gets. Um, he's just an incredible producer. Um, but it is an incredible team
0: and i would
1: think as well when
0: you think of a director's job to oversimplify it there's the pre the preparation part and just like a broadcaster when you're calling the game when the game's going on you're calling those shots live i'm always fascinated by the intensity of that because even a broadcaster if i if i have a mental lapse for two seconds you know i can say all right whatever you know it's just dead air
1: you can never take a, a playoff Right, there's no question. I mean, there's nothing like a live event. And the reality is, is you can't script a live event. So, so much of it is reacting. So much of it is being instinctive. So much of it is knowing the teams is knowing I've always said it's important to know the game, whatever sport you're directing. Um, I think that's very, very, uh, very important. But you know, you're making decisions, you know, on the, you're making decisions at that moment. There's no do over if team's in a hurry up offense and and all of a sudden they snap and you're in a replay and then you miss a snap they're not doing it again they're not playing it again okay it's it's not like a a movie when you're storyboarding a you know something um so it is but it's part of why we love what we do and i've always said it's it's i've been involved in sports my whole life and it's boy it's the next best thing to playing. but you do have to react and you do have to know situations and you do have to know you know, specifically what's important. And the reality of it is the most important thing is what the viewer is seeing. And we have to treat it as like, what's the most important thing for the viewer? For example, on a play, if a player's feet are in bounds or out of bounds. Okay. Well, and then a team, as you notice, you'll see a team play a hurry up offense because they want to get to the line of scrimmage quickly. Well, we have to tell the the tape operators that the most important part of that play is just the feet, whether he's inbounds, whether he's out of bounds. That's all the viewer cares about. That's all anyone cares. No one cares about the left guard, the block he made. It's strictly about the feet. So it's just getting to that replay quickly, succinctly, um, you know, and effectively prior. Because you always want to protect that next play. So it's all part of the rhythm and the timing. And it's all about pacing also any broadcast is about timing and about pacing whatever whatever sport you're doing
0: and by the way it's okay richard you get phone calls here you know you're a popular guy well you
1: know it's, <laughs> it's a landline there's not too many land you know, people don't call it's probably some advertiser right right, apologize. Yeah, right. that's okay yeah, yeah.
0: uh there's also the element of by the way there's an on-air team joe and troy and aaron and chris in the playoffs where you are going i know troy complimented you in one of the profiles
1: where you're following their words and the direction they want to go. That's the most important thing. I mean, the reality of it is that the announcers do drive the ship. We're responsible for supporting Joe and Troy and Aaron uh, and whoever, if it's Christine on Thursday nights, Chris, you know, on, on, during the playoffs, whatever it is. But we're there to support their, what, what what they think, the way Troy thinks, what Troy wants to talk about, what Joe wants to talk about. That's the most important thing. There's no question about it. People ask me, What's the most important thing about a director? The most important thing about a director is the ability to listen and to react, but to listen to the announcers. And that's not to say that cameramen and camera women won't find pictures and, uh, you know, any, any important pictures that the viewer needs to see and that the, you know, the announcers will play off of those pictures as well. But, but ultimately it's about the announcers and it's about the pictures and it's about the commentary and, and that's, The biggest thing to support Joe and Troy um, and whoever, whatever announcers you're working with, um, because that's how that's the teamwork and we're all part of a team and the images really do need to support what their words, what they're saying. And that's crucial in any telecast. What
0: is the week long? We alluded to it a little bit, but the week long preparation, particularly with the two games, as you alluded to Thursday night football now that you guys did, now that Fox has the rights, how do you manage the time and what does that week look like? Well, we,
1: we really enjoyed it. I mean, I can honestly say I could speak for, for, for announcers and, and, and for our production and, and, and our technical team too. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was, it's enjoyable doing the big games. And, you know, you have to consolidate. Um, what I normally do is, is after a game, I'll go back and watch our you know, game from the prior day. And then I'll look at uh, the respective uh, clips from the teams or the cities just to see if we didn't miss anything. If we didn't miss, maybe there were visuals that, you know, there were some stories that are written about or, or anything. So I'll, I'll, I'll have time to go back. But it's basically everybody knows the preparation. Uh, you know, Troy, you know, he'll watch his film on his own. Now, you know, it it used to be more where we would watch film together, but I think with the consolidation now of the two games, he'll watch his film and we'll talk about it. He'll, he'll tell me and Richie about things that he he wants to see, or he's looking for, whether it's a quarterback or a lineman or whoever it happens to be. Um, and you just continuously, are reading up on, on the teams. uh, you know, the clips, doing research on the team. So, um, but I think what it does is when you do one game a week, you get so em- em- you get so enamored and immense with just so much research and information on those two teams. It almost gives you a, a you can almost kind of branch out a little bit and you, you can think more big picture. So, yeah, everyone's just as prepared, um, but I think it, it really worked. I mean it worked for all of us and you know it may not be for me personally when I go back and I maybe a little bit less of that cuz we were off some of the Sunday single header right. weeks right so when we're off those I may then take those days to look back at some of my games that we've already done so that was kind of the biggest difference as opposed to looking back that that next day because right. you're kind of looking ahead towards the Sunday games but I, it's very important I think to to look at look at all our work and you have to take into account travel. You're on site Wednesday,
0: I would think, at least for a Thursday game.
1: Either Tuesday night or when, you right. know, or Wednesday morning for the Thursday game. And then sometimes, you know, we would go right to the next game on Friday. Um, uh, sometimes if we were on the East Coast, I'd try to get home for a little bit on Friday, then, you know, go on Friday night or work that out. But yeah, I mean, we would go Tuesday night or, for, or Wednesday morning for the Thursday game. Um, you know talk to the teams it was you know a lot of a lot more maybe a lot more conference calls just because of the schedule Uh, but that you know everyone they respect Joe and Troy so much and Troy gets some great information whether it's in person whether it's on the phone Um, and he knows and everybody knows what they need to do to prepare and everyone you would never know you can never watch a telecast and say boy they they sound like and the broadcast looks like they're doing two games a week, I think it's too much. I, I, no. I, I don't think anyone can ever say that. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And to be honest with you, it was also nice to see teams that we don't normally see. Mm-hmm. You know, we doing the NFC, um, you know, we'll see a lot of, the majority of the NFC teams, although the last couple of years, they do more of the flex scheduling right. and, and more uh, NFC teams might be on CBS. But we got to see teams, especially on Thursday nights, that we don't usually see, and, and that was somewhat refreshing. That was actually yeah. somewhat good. It was kind of nice seeing some of those AFC, te- you know, we did the Charger-Chief game, you know, right. the last game, and those are probably teams that we would not normally see, but the fact that, you know, they were there, and then, you know, we, we saw some other teams, which was, it, it was good. I mean, it was really good.
0: And that was a great game, too.
1: Yeah, it turned, and that turned out to be a great game. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And there's also, I mean, and the, the fact with Thursday nights, there's also something about doing a night game, a primetime game that when you're the only game, um, there's something to be said about that as well. Absolutely. When you look at uh,
0: your path, how did you learn to be a director? Uh, for those that don't know, you were a prolific scorer as a lacrosse player <laughs>
1: at I- Penn State. I think I still hold the record. As I, I told the head coach Jeff Tambroni, I have ten goals in one game. Yes. I think I said to him a couple of years ago. He said, "If you ever have a player who has nine goals, I don't think it, even if he's like a stud and you're playing for a championship, please pull him." Right. So please pull him. So at least I have something to <laughs> hold, you know, hold back on. But yes. And I know you're involved in yeah. and helping out with those guys right. too. Right. Right. Uh,
0: how did you get uh, involved in sports production? and
1: uh how did you learn to to be a director well i'll be honest with you um i knew and i studied communications and, and broadcasting at at, school, at penn state the school back then was nothing to what it was right. now i mean there's so much hands-on experience now and, and it's just it's just awesome i mean it's terrific i knew i wanted to be involved in sports i didn't really necessarily know television was the way I'd been playing sports my whole life involved in sports. I thought maybe one day I'd work for a league or a team or something in that capacity. And, but I, I wasn't really sure the TV, but I liked the TV aspect, but I had no idea. And to be perfectly honest with you, what happened to me was an assistant lacrosse coach of mine called, made a phone call on my behalf and he was Brent Musburger's assistant. I had no idea where this was going to lead. This was when I was still in, in college. And one thing led to another. I went on a series of interviews. I started working at CBS and I was making $50 a day. I was a researcher. Um, I got this job. I would go in. I would log games. Um, I didn't know where it was going to lead, but here I am. I'm, you know, I had, I, I'm working sports. This is great. One thing led to another. There was an opening. I was persistent. I ended up getting a job at CBS Sports. So when I was a researcher, I would, you know, back then there were no Google, there was no computers, you know, there, were, there was no Internet. We basically had to call the schools and basically get information. And I thought it was pretty cool that some of the information I was getting, they were actually saying on the air. I thought that was pretty, you know, it was Jim Nance was working the college football studio show, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and, you know, Brent was doing the NFL Today. This was back in 1985. Um, so here I am in, in sports. I didn't know where it was going to lead me. I I had a job with an advertising agency, which I knew I didn't want to do while working while I was doing this. But long story short, there was an opening. I got a job as a broadcast associate and that was really a full time job at CBS sports. Um, So here I, now I'm at the network and now back then there were only basically three networks. There weren't these cable outlets. There were a lot less opportunities. So I knew I was really fortunate and I knew Pete Kowalski who made that call for me. That was, you know, I was, but I didn't know where it was going to lead me. Another Penn Stater. Another Penn Stater. That's right, Pete. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I got the job. So so I started at CBS. Um, And I could keep going. You know, in 1986, I was assigned my first group uh, as a remote. So I was working the remotes, and it turns out it was with Pat Summerall and John Madden. And that was a turning point, wasn't it? That was a turning point for me. Um, and again, I was just assigned that, you know, and again, like I said, I had gone on a bunch of interviews and, and things worked out, but that was a turning point. And I remember saying to my parents, when I got the job, uh, I said, boy, I got to tell you something, I better not screw this up because here I am, I'm working with these legendary people, these legendary announcers, these legendary uh, producer and directors, Bob, uh, uh, Bob Stenner and Sandy Grossman. And this is great. And I just, my dad taught me, you know, I just kept my head down. I just did whatever they needed, whatever they wanted, whatever they needed. I was just there for them uh, and just kind of worked my way up. And, um, but that was really a turning point being on that crew and being on that crew, as I went on through the couple of years and I would do the graphics. um, And I was also with them with Fox when, You know, Fox got got the NFL. Well, that was a turning point as well, though. That was a turning point as well. But I'll I'll say this. When I was with them initially, I watched Sandy Grossman and what he did and how he was able to basically affect the telecast, uh, you know, through the visuals. And I kind of said to myself, i I like this directing role. Now, I had no idea if I was ever going to get a chance to direct anything. You know, I was just, I was just working, head down, wherever was going to lead me. I'm working with Pat Sumrall and John Madden, legendary people. I'm working with Bob Stenner and Sandy Grossman. But I did like, and I took an attraction to the directing aspect of it. And I asked some questions, and that was kind of the first time I said to myself, boy, if I ever get an opportunity, and like I said, I never knew if I would, I think the directing path is the way I want to go. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you get to Fox, and look, there was just an
0: article about the 25-year anniversary of the NFL on Fox, an excellent piece in, in The Ringer. Was th- was it an easy transition, or was there angst when CBS lost the NFL rights?
1: Well, CBS lost the NFL rights, and I was fortunate. Ed Gorn took some people over to Fox, and I, at that time, 1994, I was a still an associate director, mm-hmm. um, so I went over there in 94, and, you know, at that point, when Fox got... Football, as John Madden said, they were known as Fox Sport. All they had was football, so I didn't really know what other properties they were going to get. Which they ended up getting multiple properties, and it was it was kind of a blessing in disguise. But it was a shock to the to the industry because football was just seen on CBS, was seen on NBC, you know, Monday Night Football with Howard Cosell, you know, the highlights. And all of a sudden, now a new player comes in and is taking the NFC package. That was incredible. I I don't know if, you know, Pat Summerall, you know, his big thing when he was at at CBS, I mean, obviously such a legendary announcer, but Murder, She Wrote, the promo. Yep. Okay? Yep. He would, you know, he always had that pregnant pause. It was coming up, you know, uh, 60 minutes, followed by Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Yes. Goes to Fox. Now it's... Coming up tonight is The Simpsons. Yep. You know, it it was a complete different, but David Hill and Ed Gorn at Fox had a vision and they executed perfectly. I mean, it really, you know, they they were able to get Pat and John and that was the big thing. They got the voices, they got the faces of CBS to come over to Fox. And then subsequently they got uh, Bob Stenner, Sandy Grossman, and some of the younger, uh, some of the other production people. So that was a big turning point. If I was still at CBS, and CBS now has terrific directors, a lot of those guys, a lot of those, they're still there. So there's not necessarily going to be movement. So going over there really was a blessing in disguise and really, really helped me. And so you did some producing at Fox as well, right? I did. The first, there there was, the openings were as a producer. So you take what you're going to get, you're going to get. So it's not like saying, "Boy, I want to direct. I'm only taking director's job. You basically have to know the process. And I, I was a broadcast associate. I was an associate director. And then there were some producing uh, spots that came open in the NFL. And I did do a couple of years of producing. Being a producer, and I will tell you this, helped me as a director. Being able to do both really has helped me uh, do my role as a director because I really know what the producer Does and it's like I said, it's also part of the team. And and, but I did. I started out as as a producer, and then NFL Europe helped me as a director because I went over there. And those were the first really games that I was able to direct. And by the way, let's not hover over being a producer of an NFL game is no nothing to slouch at. No, no question. No, it's great, absolutely. And then a direct. What happened is a director's job opened up, and I was able to kind of you know a lot of it was timing, a lot of it was. you know, the positioning and timing of it, I was able to, to go off to directing. But absolutely, it was great that I was, and I loved I really enjoyed producing. Um, but I was able to, you know, like I said earlier, David and Ed gave me a great opportunity, A, just to come over to Fox. And I, I was not with Pat and John the first year, but the second and third year I was their associate director. So I was back with them mm-hmm. as the associate director. And then I started branching off and doing my own, my own thing. And how old were you? What year when you directed your first NFL game? My first NFL game, I would say, was we got the we obtained a package in 94. I probably directed my first game in 1998 or okay. 1999, probably around there, my first NFL game. I had done some other things, like NFL Europe, some, some right. other smaller events, but probably 98 or 99. Who was, was the crew you started on? Well, the first directing... Um, my first NFL directing job, I worked with Kevin Harlan, yep. uh, for a period of, for, I think I did a couple of games with him and Jerry Glanville was there also. Um, and I got a chance to direct a couple of games with them.
0: A very yeah. eccentric analyst, Jerry Glanville. Yes. I recall.
1: Yes. Very, <laughs> yes. Very much so. Very, re- I'll tell you why. When he went somewhere, people knew him. Yep. People knew where he, people knew him. So I got an opportunity to to fill in a little bit on a couple of those those games. And then I was fortunate um, to do three years of the BCS. So we had the BCS, the College, the college Football Championship. That was a, quite a few years down that was the road. A few, that was a few years down yeah. the road. But that was like my first big assignment. Okay. So when I was doing the NFL and I worked with Sam Rosen, I worked um, you know with, with Bill Moss. Yeah, um, you are on that crew. I was on that crew. Right. That was really my first like crew, full-time crew. Right. And then I was uh, right around after that, the BCS was yes. really my, so we did the we did, now we didn't have regular season football, but we did the bowl games for three years, the bowl games and then um, the BCS championships. So I would basically do, it's only two college football games a year, but it was really, um, you know, it was really enjoyable. And there was some great opportunities. Yeah. And I will tell you this, being being able to work different Super Bowls it helps when you're able to go to the big events, to work the big events. Whether it was Super Bowls in 1986, which was my first Super Bowl, was Giants-Denver in, in Pasadena. Um, even it was as a BA to the Super Bowls that I've been an associate director. Even when I directed the World Feed. Yep. Um, now the domestic feed is that's what that's what it's all about. Um, but just being there for these six or seven World Feeds, just knowing the enormity of the event, it really helps. And it helps you. It's helped me throughout even these last Super Bowls that I've done. And that BCS, that
0: was a big uh, event. What do you think led to that assignment beyond, obviously, the compilation of doing good work and, and experiences?
1: Well, I mean, I was fortunate. Like I said, David Hill really took a, a liking and Ed, and, 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 and that was a big thing. They, they were big allies, and I, they liked, I guess they liked my work. Um, and that was, you know, that was it. And there was some movement and, and I was able to, to fit in that spot. And, and hopefully I would think that maybe led me to the lead NFL game. That's what I was going you to know? lead into. Yeah. What, what was it like to get the call? Well, so it was interesting. I got NFL the game. call and I didn't, didn't know what was, um, you know, any of the specifics, but I did get a call. Um, and I was really. Fortunate and I was really psyched. I was very, very excited um, to get the call saying I was gonna be the lead, you know, the lead. And this has been, what, this is my 10th year? Roughly, I think my 10th year, ninth or 10th 9th year. Or, yeah. 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 So um, yeah, when David and Ed told me, I, I, was, uh, I was ecstatic. And I knew, you know, I, knew I was gonna be working with Richie and I knew it was gonna be Joe and Troy. And I had worked with Troy actually in NFL Europe. Mm-hmm. So I think I did Troy's first game. That he ever broadcasted in NFL in NFL Europe, so I had you know there was there was some history there as well. And we focused. Well, I don't want to gloss
0: over. I mean, that is such an, an amazing that call. You can. I mean, that is the pinnacle of success in your profession. I mean, there's three of you, four if you look at the the four networks that carry NFL games.
1: No, I think, and I appreciate that. Um, I think at the time, I'm not really thinking about it that way. I just know I want to do the best job I can. And I guess you're right. As when I did my first Super Bowl, where I did, you know, domestic, yep. was Super Bowl 45 in Dallas. It was the Green Bay Pittsburgh game, and I then I kind of thought to myself, and other people had said to me, I said, you know, not many people have directed Super Bowls, and I said, I guess you're right. I guess that's, you know, you're probably right about that. So, you know, I, I take it, like I said, I, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, you know a lot of it is just working with really great people being you know good to the people you're working with no that's important um, and I think you're right it's it's uh it's been a dream come true like I said I had no idea I was gonna be able to I was gonna direct anything you know at 85 or 86 who knew right um, but I knew in the back of my mind it was something that I wanted to do and the timing the fact that Fox got NFL, the Fox got more football, we got hockey, we got baseball, we got, you know, now now college basketball, NASCAR. So now there are all these opportunities to at least get in the chair and try to perfect your skill and perfect what you know how you believe a game should be shaped and a game should be directed. And I I, I was I was just ecstatic. Yeah, was yeah. it's, it's it's something to be ecstatic about. When you look at the multiple sports, it's
0: interesting too because you have announcers that do multiple sports but beyond someone like Kenny Albert there's very few that do them all and where you'd see you know to be able to do NASCAR for instance is it just intuitive that you know how to direct that sort of event or do you speak to people that have done it
1: before well I'll be I'll be honest with you um, I think it's I said this earlier I think it's important to know the sport when I and I, I'm not, when I directed NASCAR years ago I didn't know anything about NASCAR And I didn't grow up with it. I grew up with, you know, football, basketball, baseball, you know, hockey. Um, I had never been to a NASCAR, uh, never been to a track. um, And here I am directing it. So I just learned and watched and I figured it out. You know, I talked to people. Um, It was, NASCAR was challenging. NASCAR, I can honestly say was probably the most challenging thing I had ever done, especially initially. Um, people think, boy, it's easy to direct NASCAR. You have 43 cars going around the track. You know, what's, uh, it, it's not, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, you have 43 cars, you have 43 different uh, stories. You have, you know, things going on simultaneously and you really have to know the sport, you know? And like I've said, it really helps. So I picked it up. I, uh, you know, I became a fan uh, of the sport as I'm a fan of, of every sport that I do, but, um yeah no it was it was definitely nascar was definitely a challenge yeah no and uh lastly
0: i guess for people a lot of students listen for folks that are entering the business obviously it has changed there's a lot uh quite a few substantially more networks um what would be i don't want to say what would be your advice but i guess how has the landscape changed particularly i guess you could also get into studio production as well and go that route but for people entering, how do you see? Is, I, I assume there's not one path just like there isn't in the IR
1: world. I would say, number one, have an open mind. And number two, develop a passion. There are so many different facets, facets to this business. There are so many different avenues. There are so many different potential jobs. Now with Penn State, there is so much hands-on experience that you get. I would say do as much as you can. Learn as much as you can. Don't necessarily, when I go back and speak in schools, I know a lot of people want to work on the air. That's hard. That's not, that's not easy to be an on-air broadcaster, whether it be studio, whether it be television, whether it be radio, and I'm not saying it can't be done. But have an open mind and learn how to, whether it's producing, directing, uh, editing pieces, features, the production side, the technical side, and take as much as you can and develop a passion and then go for, you know, go for that, that specific job. There's a lot more opportunities now because there were a lot, believe it or not, there were a lot less opportunities back then in a sense because there were just a lot less entities. There was the three networks. And you know, way back then ESPN didn't even exist, but now with all the locals, all the regionals, there potentially could be more opportunities. And I think be patient. You're not going to get your first job. And I can tell you this, your first job is not going to be your last job you gonna. You may have one job, two jobs, three jobs, and if you can do that, then I think you can really, really be successful. And if you can, um, if you can develop a passion for something, and you may not even know, they may not even know their passion when they're in school. It may be something that they develop while they're in school, and maybe even while they get out of school. But if you can do that, that would be that would go a long way.
0: And just think of. Now you have, for instance, for the students to be able to do the Big Ten student you where they can direct. I mean, that wasn't there when you were... Uh, I think it's great. I mean, I, I
1: think it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I've gone back there and I've actually seen the the 30-minute newscast that they do. Yep. And I went back there and I was amazed. And they were a lot of the st- very talented students, whether the students who are on the air. And I know it is a very competitive field. There's no question about it. But the talent level was really, really high. And I'm sitting and thinking, boy, I... We did such elementary stuff back when I was at school. I mean, it was just, I can't even begin to, we had nothing like this. So I really, you know, I mean, I, I had some experience from based on school, but the experience that, that the kids have now is just enormous. And use it to your advantage because it really goes a long way. I mean, the hands-on experience, I'll be honest with you, I looked at the Penn State the, the broadcast, the, the local newscast, and they were better than, Many of the local stations around the country that I see, they local newscasts. Because when I travel a lot, I may turn on the local news. Sure. They, they blow them away, yeah. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. It. So it's very, very impressive. And don't underestimate your abilities. You're, you're at Penn State. You're at the school for a reason. And you're there for a reason. And you all have abilities. And there's no question if you can be patient, if you can develop that passion, that would be... That's a, that's a really big thing.
0: But you, you have to be, even if you're the most talented director, I would think a big part of your success, you have to be humble as well. You got to keep your head down. You have to, you can't act like the know it all.
1: Totally. And I think that goes along with um, your personality. Um, I think you do. And my dad, my, my parents did teach me that. You know, you got to just learn. You got to ask questions. You have to be, you know, you want to be persistent, but not overly persistent. You know, um, that's, that's important. So you just have to, you know, and learn and ask questions from other people, from, from other people in the field. And, and you have to be able to network, too. Penn State's a great, great avenue for networking. I was very fortunate. It was one phone call for me back then. And I, I remember, you know, six months or maybe ten months ago, I had a, a lunch with Pete. It might have been a year ago a year and a half ago, whatever it was. And I said to Pete, I said, Pete, he works with the USGA now. Yep. I said, if it wasn't for that one phone call, I have no idea what I'd be doing. And he was laughing. He was laughing. So while you you may get it, you may have a phone call. It's your job, though, to make the most of it. So really use the net. I I would always tell tell the, the kids to use your networking, use your contacts. And yes, be humble. Learn as much. Keep your head down. Don't piss people off because that goes, that does go a long way. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for all you've done. I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) I got time. Thanks. No, this was really enjoyable, Jacob. I really appreciate it. Anything else, uh, I really, really enjoyed this time. Thanks, Rich.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Penn State Conversations. For more information about the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications, including the latest news and upcoming events, visit bellisario.psu.edu or find us on social media at PSU Belisario on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.